Right, now Sam started us off on our series uh, last week looking at Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4. So what I'm going to do today is follow on from his one. As he said, often what we're going to do is uh, look at each topic over two weeks. Firstly, with the children in, uh, in our All In Sunday, and then in a bit more detail uh, uh, when the children are out at Stepping Stones. But I'll start by reading the whole passage we're using, which is Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4. Although my passage for today, and my sort of title for today is Whose Kingdom?, is really the first line. But let's get it in context. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So effectively, my question is, in that first line, who is me? Because it says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And then it goes on to explain what the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him for. Clearly, me cannot be the person who was writing this. It can't be Isaiah because the context is totally wrong. Isaiah is in the period when the kingdom of Israel is already being taken away into captivity. We're at the time when the kingdom of Judah is being progressively defeated and going from just a few if you like, royal hostages and a few uh, uh, notable people taken to Babylon to effectively pretty well the whole population being taken out a few years later. So he's not in a time when you could see this is applying exactly to where he is. So who is me? I think I just heard a whisper it's the classic Sunday school question, isn't it? And the answer is always Jesus. All right, so let's turn to Luke 4. And verse 16. Because we don't just look at the Bible as individual verses in isolation. We look at it as a whole. Right, so Luke 4, verse 16. Talking of Jesus. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all this in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marvelled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. So, Jesus takes this passage and basically says, it's me. Notice, in the way Luke records this, Jesus claims this early in his ministry. We can get that context from verses uh, 14 to 15 and 23 if you look them up. He claims it in Nazareth, his hometown, as it records here, the place where he, he grew up. He claims it after he was tempted by Satan. You can find all these bits in the earlier chapter. So, Satan attempted Jesus to go about his ministry in the wrong way. So he's put those temptations behind him and this is Jesus saying, this is how I'm doing it. And he does this after his baptism by John. So, what I want to go back to is that baptism. Which is, if I... If you've got a physical Bible, probably the page earlier, maybe even the same page. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptised, and when Jesus also had been baptised and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. So when he was baptised, God called out from heaven, You are my beloved son. But what does this mean for us? So I want to move us further into Romans and chapter 8. verse 16 this is Paul writing about Christians the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now this is sort of absolutely mind-boggling. I saw a tweet during the week by Bishop Ruth Bushyaga, if I've got her name right, who's the Anglican Bishop of Horsham in West Sussex. With Jesus as your brother, you are always the heir and never the spare. Well, I thought I'd better say that bit that it wasn't something I thought up. <laughs> when we are looking at the kingdom of God, we've got to look at it, we've got to understand it for what it is, and not try and force the kingdom of God to fit into what we see of human kingdoms on earth. You know, human kingdoms should reflect God's kingdom, not the other way around. If we are heirs in God's kingdom, we have a status which is equal to or greater than King Charles. Which is, I just can't get, just, you just can't get your head around it really. As I say, we shouldn't be thinking like an earthly kingdom. But our images used in the Bible are limited because of, we're limited with our understanding. So we've got to, over time, let God speak into our minds and our hearts to get a deeper and deeper understanding of his kingdom. I was very struck by this, I know I've mentioned it several times before, on a visit to Russia in the uh, 1990s, when Lynn and I, uh, with our children, were visiting a church, and they were singing a hymn which we, well, chorus hymn which we used here, which I think originally came from South Africa, which talks about, uh, I lift my hands to the coming king. And in the Russian version, it used the word czar for king. And I immediately thought, my image of a czar is very different to my image of a king, because I live with kings and queens in this country, not with czars. And it really struck me, you know, got me thinking, well, how much do my, does my image of God as a king how much is that affected by this? See, if you use King Charles as an image of a king, which one is God more like? Charles III? Charles II? Charles I? Well, he got his head chopped off. You know, it, it doesn't really work. Or even, no, but here, even King Athelstan, who was obviously, I think, I can't remember the exact details, I think he got on a rather dubious Twitter poll, uh, voted as the top king of England. Uh, first king of England, so uh, that's probably good reasoning. But when we look at things, our image is limited. When we think we're heirs of the kingdom, our image is limited because, you know, 
the whole thing about heir or spare thing is that within our culture only one person inherits. Yeah, that's good. But in God's kingdom, yeah. we all inherit. Yeah. And we inherit like Jesus. It's 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 you know, it's it's almost too much to take in. Which is one reason why I wanted a time of worship afterwards. Because I think it, the only way we can really respond to this is worship. Mm. Also, we need to remember that with the privilege we have as heirs, we respond to that as Jesus did. We don't use the way kings or heirs use their position in the world as our model. We use Jesus as our model. And when we look at the way Jesus lived his life, he didn't live his life in a way which was arrogant. <coughs> you know, saying, you know, I'm the heir, I'm the king, you've got to do this. Although there's elements of that at the appropriate time. But he was one who showed God's love. And when we're coming back to look at the rest of this passage and looking at how we apply the coming of God's kingdom in our world, that's how we need to be looking at it. But we come at it from the point of view that we are God's heirs and therefore through us he will bring his kingdom in. Because the son and heir proclaims the year of the Lord's favour. And the thing, the reason I drew this back to Jesus' baptism in the way that Jesus is beloved of God, when God called him and he was at his baptism in that sense, we too are beloved of God. So when we are working to bring God's kingdom in, we are not working to make God love us. God already loves us. So what we're doing is out of a response to that love, not to get that love. So therefore, it's not, we don't do things out of duty, but out of, I don't know, I keep using the word love, I'm not sure there's an alternative word to use here. You know, it's, a response, well, gratitude would be a, an, an alternative. In fact, I was, I was reading an article, I think by a Christian, but in a secular context, where he was writing about grace and gratitude, and about the need for gratitude in our lives. Because if you haven't got gratitude, you know, just looking at it from a secular point of view, if you're not grateful for what you have, the, it just has these harmful impacts on your life. 
And he was drawing the fact that I never really thought about that grace and gratitude both come from the same original fruit. Because grace is God's undeserved favour on us. And gratitude is response to receiving favour. So our response, our what we do is because God has poured so much into us and he's given us so much. But also, I want to finish, get, use, finish off that, the bit which Jesus didn't read when he uh, spoke in uh, uh, Nazareth. I'm sorry, I'm getting a bit brain dead at the moment. Because he finished verse 2, we say to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, but he didn't go on and say, and the day of vengeance of our God. And sometimes, you know, with the uh, hymn we had playing just before the start, we do include the day of vengeance of our God, but sometimes we finish at the year of favour. But one thing that struck me is the time differential. It talks about the year of God's favour. God's favour is extended. But the day of vengeance of our God, that is, a, is if you like, a one-off. It happens on the day. And when we look at the rest of Scripture, look at Revelation, we know that that day is coming when all will be before the throne and all will be judged. So therefore, we need to make sure, you know, are we heirs or are we not? Because as we've already been singing, if we are heirs, our sin and our shame has been paid for. But if not, there is that day of vengeance when it will be paid. But I think also the thing we need to remember with the vengeance of our God, it is God who takes the vengeance. It's not our duty to take vengeance when we think we've been hard done by or we see something which is wrong has happened. Because apart from anything else, we're highly likely to get the wrong target. But it's God who does that. So we are safe in being able to forgive people for any harm they've done to us now. Not because we're saying, ah, it doesn't matter. And, you know, and it's going to be forgotten about. But we can forgive people because we know that any vengeance which needs to be taken will be taken by God. Therefore, we can be secure in serving and bringing God's kingdom now. Because not everybody, as we can see from history, is going to want to see God's kingdom come in. 
So therefore, for Christians, bringing in God's kingdom, which is all for the good, can result in persecution, can result in attacks. But, we, I say, we don't need to have concern on that. And the bit I didn't finish reading in Romans, where it says in verse 17, And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Which I think ties back a bit with what Mike Betts, the bit I started with at the beginning of the service from Mike Betts. You know, he says, we're poor, in 2 Corinthians says, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. You know, being heirs is marvellous, but it doesn't mean that life isn't going to have its difficulties. But it does mean that even if the difficulties perplex us, we do not despair because our trust is in God and we know that he has made us heirs in Christ. So therefore, we can go forward. One thing I want to finish with, I was hoping this example would work nicely, but it doesn't because uh, somebody in the British government changed things somewhere in the early 1980s. If I look in my current British passport, under nationality, it says British citizen. All right, but if I go back to one of my old ones, this one was issued in, I think, 1981. There, under national status, it says British subject, citizen of the United Kingdom and colonies. So, the thing about God's kingdom is it's a kingdom, isn't a kingdom of subjects, it's a kingdom of heirs. Yeah. <coughs> Obviously, somebody at some point decided that people in uh, the uh, late 20th century didn't like the idea of being called subjects and decided they would prefer to be called citizens. The fact that... Never mind. Uh, I won't go into language. But the thing is, yes, in one sense we are subjects of God. But he treats us as his children. He treats us as his heirs. Therefore, we can go forward with confidence so if you don't know that you're an heir of God make sure you get that sorted I think if you don't have confidence that you are an heir although you think you are do get somebody to pray with you but also it is a case of over time, just living it out. We don't, with a lot of things in the Christian life, we don't get there 
immediately, straight away. Some things, when we become Christians, change like that. Other things we have to work, and they slowly develop as we mature. So let's keep working at that. And if you find that forgiveness of others, because as Jesus said, we're forgiven as we forgive others, is an issue for you, do get again. That's an element, there's an element of that where you've got to make a decision that you're going to put it to one side. But there's also an element that if you want prayer, do come. I'm happy to pray with anyone on any of these things. But also, let's just give thanks to God. So maybe if the band could come back up, let's give thanks to God for all that He has done. <laughs>